Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And this is Head Boss in Charge. We're back for another week. Yes, we are. How are you bossing, Shamina? Um, I today was a challenge, which I will talk about at the very end in our last segment of Bitch Ass Boss or Boss Ass Bitch, but overall I'm doing quite well. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well too. It's, uh, this was a really busy week, but not in a bad way. Just lots of work stuff going on, but, um, I always know I'm having a good week when there's consistency and I have like a routine. Um, you know, I have like my morning routine. Um, I mean, I either like to wake up early, do, do some personal stuff, go to work then go to my dance class and practice and then have a calm end to the evening. And it's been like that for the past couple of weeks. So I know life is good good. um, because otherwise I have. Um, my life usually has disruptions. Yeah. Um, I feel you on that. I'm getting back into my routine after being on vacation for nine days, eight days, nine days. So it's kind of like back into like the flow of work and my week is slammed as a result of being gone, which so be it, it's going to be slammed next week too, but grateful to have had a chance to get away with family. So I can't complain. Like what I have are first world problems. So I will keep those to myself. Hashtag first right. <laughs> I was like, I fully recognize that. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit over here. Yeah. Sit my drink. Um, and remember when I was talking about last time about coming out of that dark place and feeling inspired and creativity? Um, I've just been absorbing a lot of like good material and media. So I've started listening to Miley Teal's podcast. Yes! Miley Teal. Um, my taught you. She, yeah, Ugh. my taught you. She's great. Uh, the Jess. First, first episode I listened to was about it was like 20 or 18 uh, pieces of advice as a self-entrepreneur. Very, very great. I love her. Um, one day, we're going to interview her. She's in Atlanta. We get to we'll figure that shit one out. Day. But we are going to do that. <laughs> Ugh, I live. Um, I started getting deep into uh, Lovey's new book mm. um, called I'm uh, Judging You. Yes. Um, and I kind of want to save the... The, our little experience um, at Lovey's book signing okay. later. Okay, yes. Um, but that was great, and the book is so good. Um, hilarious. Like, I'm literally on the bus, <laughs> like, <laughs> laughing. Laugh. I'm like, I forget where I am. I'm just like, she reads life. She reads you, yeah. even though I think I'm doing pretty well, but she reads me. And... It's like when you want to tap the person sitting next to you. Did you want to read this? And they're like, I'm sorry, you're a stranger. I literally sent you a, a photo yes. of a Because <laughs> it was that funny. Um, and yeah, I think I'm Boston pretty well. And actually, a couple days ago, I mailed in my, um, my ballot for okay. the upcoming elections. Um, girl, that took me like a good two and a half hours. Yeah, we we still have to do. You get an absentee. Yeah, I did absentee because mm-hmm. I knew that there was a lot of propositions. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's twenty six propositions yeah. for the city, and then about like twenty for the state. Sweet. Okay. And like I want to make informed decisions, mm-hmm. so I got two big ass manuals in the mail. So I had my pencil and I did my pre ballot first. I read like the. Um, the, uh, why you should vote for it, why you shouldn't vote for mm-hmm. it, the rebuttals. I did my research and I want to know who I was voting for and what I was voting for. There's actually a website for specifically for the Bay Area. I'll, I'll see if I can find it while we're talking. What they talk about, kind of, it's more of the liberal leaning. Um, they give you a stance and then that's kind of like the liberal stance also. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found in past years to be quite helpful. Like uh, both big election years and kind of small local election type things. Um, 
I'll have to try to find the title and if I've, or the website, but it's super helpful to like narrow it down to like layperson's terms. Mm. So you're not like, well, what does this even mean? I got to look at a dictionary to get the words. I wonder if we're thinking about the same one because I found a site. Um, it was just for the California state propositions and it was in layman terms, but it also, um, it coupled some of the propositions together to let you realize that if you vote yes for one, mm-hmm. how it will impact another yeah. one. Yeah. So there's one like for, um, the uh the death penalty because there's one to repeal the death penalty okay. in California but there's another proposition it's like 60 something that um is to lessen the or like clarify the process for the folks who are in death row that are trying to get out of death row and so it's okay. just it's just a battle of um which one takes uh, is going to spend less money um, because these inmates are staying on death row forever because mm-hmm. they're waiting to go through the appeal process. And also, too, we we struggle as a country finding the right um, drugs that are legal yeah. to, for the death penalty. Yep. So it's really intricate. And apparently if both of these propositions, if you vote yes, um, the um, the one with most votes, the, mo- the most yes votes, it's... Yes votes? The most yes votes. The most yes votes... Uh, trump the other one. Okay. For lack of a better yeah. term. Once in, and I have certainly become a more informed voter and paying attention to that, um, like kind of later in life, like, um, so I've been voting for a while, um, but I think the impact of how I vote, um, and how I feel like my vote counts, it feels like it matters more now because I'm paying attention to different things exactly so yeah it's not like oh i'm just gonna vote for the president which sadly a lot of people think that this is the only thing happening on november 8th please people please um, please please the this election is so so much more than the president as much as the media is giving attention to it there's some like great yeah um great things that are happening in california that we need to pay attention to even in the city of san francisco and honestly i enjoyed voting and reading about the propositions more than the, the people who are running. Yeah. And what I did, too, was there were some people that I, I didn't really know who to vote for, like the folks who are uh, running for um, state Senate versus U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I did was I looked up to see which propositions they stood for. Okay. And who aligns with my values. And so that was the person that I voted if I was stuck. Okay, so this is the website. It's um, it's from the League of San Francisco, but if you Google SF pissed off voters, that's where you look to see that guide. So SF pissed off voters guide. Um, it's fairly liberal leaning. Hello, they say the word pissed, um, but it's only something like another resource if you don't want to if you don't have the level of commitment to sit down with the book or like go through all the websites or look at all the things there. Um, it kind of breaks it down in layman's terms. Um, cool. So I, I found it I, helpful. I am skeptical a little bit with like, there are a lot of sites and like mailings and information yeah. where it helps based off of the party that you support. Mm-hmm. It, it advises you which decision to make on a proposition or a person. Um, and I got one of those in the mail actually. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to see there were like two or three democratic leaning decisions on propositions that I actually didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And so I just went... I, I looked at it to be informed, but then I always went back to what I personally wanted. Yeah, those. that makes sense. So I think it's really important to, you know, 
when it comes to being a boss is to that civic yeah. representation and doing your duty as a citizen, especially as a minority, a person of color who we fought so hard yeah. to get the right to vote. And so I was talking with a friend yesterday after dance practice. She was like, yeah, I know that there's a lot to vote for, but I'm go- I, I want to do the mail-in ballot, but I want to go in person. Mm-hmm. I want my blackness yeah, to, to show up show yeah, and like, show up and say, hey, like, I care about the city and the state and the country that I live in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to be here and show up, yeah. which I respected. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, I mean, unfortunately, like there's a flip side of that of people who are feeling disenfranchised by all this. And I'm not even going to get into all of the debate stuff and all that stuff, that shit that's going on that I don't have time for. Um, but about people who either feel disenfranchised by, you know, their vote counting or, um, they just dismiss and, or they just are like, I'm just going to vote for the president. Cause that's all that matters. And I was like, no, bitch, that doesn't, that's like real high level stuff. There's just stuff that's happening in your city, in your County, in your state that will impact you. Um, but I'm hoping that people get out and exercise their right to vote. Like votes count and they matter. Um, but I feel like we're a PSA for voting. But like, <laughs> right. like, so where's like, the paycheck? <laughs> get out there and, and exercise the right that you have, you know? Like, if you don't participate in the process, then you have no reason to complain. So, That's and no, I don't need to know who you're voting for or what you're voting for. Um, and frankly, I don't really want to know because I don't want to, you know, have to judge you if you vote quote unquote wrong. But I think <laughs> it's so important for people to get out there and exercise the. The, the right to do that and show up for themselves, show up for their community, um, and be an active participant in that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, in honor of the upcoming elections, and, you know, I think uh, decision-making is tough, and, you know, I, I just want us... I want to go through a little a little game, if you will. Okay. Um, a game of making some decisions uh, and making sure that you're doing your due diligence on research and educating yourself and um, supporting the cause. So I don't know how this is going to go. I have have a fake ballot for you to go through and um, I'm either going to pose you uh, two options and you just have to vote for one. You don't have to give the justification, but you just have to pick one. Are these related to the current election? We'll see. Oh, good lord. Um, okay. Or um, I have some propositions, and you have to vote yes or no to the proposition, all right? Okay. All right, so uh, we are about to start off. Here we go. Bananas or mangoes? I don't even eat fruit. But if I had to, but, uh, mango. Okay, okay. San Francisco or Los Angeles? Los Angeles. I'm oh. SoCal all the way. Okay, okay. All right, Proposition 26, vote yes or no. Citizens of California must always play Beyonce music between the hours of 8 p.m. to 6 p.m. Otherwise, they must pay a 10% income tax to the Blue Ivy Carter Fund. Yes. Is yes. that the only? I need That's more details. Wait, is that the only time that they can play it? 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on a I daily want it basis. All the time. Like they can play it after. I mean, you can pay it after, okay. yeah. That's the That's fine, fine print that yeah. I can't read. Okay. Um, fried chicken or collard greens? That's so black. Either one of these is going to sound like extra black. Like, um, I love chicken. I'm going to go fried chicken. But I love greens too, but they have to be made the right way. I know, right? So, well, fried yeah. chicken has to be made the right way too. True. I'm not even gonna get. I was like, well, "Do you like mustard fried chicken?" I've never had. Oh my god, my dad used to make mustard fried chicken. I'll make it for you one. Day. I don't even make fried chicken anymore, uh, <laughs> but I have to make it for you one day. Anyway. All right, thank you. Roaches or fruit flies? 
They travel in packs. Yeah. And they are everywhere. Like they scoop places, you know. Yeah, but fruit flies, like it just takes one for you not to notice and you put that spoon in your mouth and, and like, then you I'll never know. Eat it. But let me be at somebody's house and I see a, a roach scurrying across, feet are going up, and I'm gonna have a reason oh to my leave. Or <laughs> reminds me of that restaurant that uh, Gladys Knight and her her son. Have you heard the story? In Atlanta? In Atlanta, Gladys Knight. I've been there. Gave, uh, yeah, her son uh, runs this restaurant mm -hmm. that was recently closed down. It got a U rating, not an A. I'm sorry, what not is a, a U? What I don't know a what a U rating is, but um, there were cockroaches. Okay, um, see, yep, yeah. Oh, no, don't assume. And Gladys, Gladys, Knight Gladys Knight didn't even want her son to run that restaurant with her name anymore because he oh. was extorting money and all this oh, stuff. Okay, so. okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, Nate Parker or Bill Cosby? They're both problematic. I would leave that blank on my ballot. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, they are problematic. Well, blanks on a ballot are allowed, so yeah. you only get one of these for this game, so the rest you have to answer. That's, they're so problematic. <laughs> Kerry Washington or Viola Davis? Kerry Washington. Is that even a question? Really? I would have chosen Viola Davis. Sorry. Uh, going based on looks. But, uh, <laughs> right? It's like, what are you I mean, they're out? both beautiful, but I'm yeah. like, Kerry Washington slays. Like, um, free college education nationwide or no tax on feminine hygiene products? I'm going to go with free education nationwide. Yeah. I mean, again, first world, I, I have the ability to afford, like, the dumbass tax on something. I was like, do you want me to bleed everywhere? But we're not going to get into <laughs> that. But free education. It's going to hit. It's, it's more universal. It's going to hit everybody. So. Proposition 45A. Everyone works for themselves. No bosses. No supervisors. Oh my, this is a yes or no? Yes or no. No. Some people need supervision. Like, as much dumb shit as I hear, people need supervision. Like, yeah. that. Yeah, no, yeah there needs to be a, some sort of a checks and balances. People need direction. Or, like, yeah. All right, and our last one on the ballot is Hillary Rodham Clinton or Ivanka's dad. Clearly Hillary. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying like I'm just testing you. I'm just making sure no, you're ready. I'm not sweating. Check I, the right box. Yeah. I mean, she certainly has said and done some problematic things, but nothing to the level that I've seen from the other person. And we're back and um, have our beverages refilled. It's yes. a Thursday night, so we thought, let's just right relax, let's just relax, and have some bubbly, bubbly um, adds to the conversation. So I um, thought it would be a good week to talk about showing emotion at work. And when I think about showing emotion at work, we the the work industry has come from a very traditional place. And mm -hmm. personally, when I've grown up, it, it's you're just not allowed to show emotion yeah. at work. And I think in this new generation and this liberal uh, wave of how we function in the workplace, I think it's a topic to get back to and uh, understand where we're at. Yeah. Can um, we clarify? Because when I hear traditional, I think, like traditional in the workplace, I hear like a okay. white male. 
white male. Um, I'm thinking, I think it's white collar, the yeah, white okay. collar, like office, business, corporate mm-hmm. world. I'm thinking 1940s and 50s at the height of really our U.S. economy, right? Uh, where a lot of the things that have been passed on from supervisor to employee throughout the generations, like when we think about training and professionalism, yeah, right? Say professionalism is um, we're taught uh, an etiquette, a way to behave in the workplace, and I think showing emotion has always been something that's negative and been you've been people would be shamed for, mm-hmm. and. Uh, showing emotion at work is something I see and experience every day, and I think it's an important topic to discuss because, at least I know you and I, we always talk about being our th- authentic self. I think a lot of the things that we listen to and read, we, mm-hmm. we look for that, uh, that w- the words of wisdom about how to be your true self. Yeah. But I'm at work 40 hours a week, and it's exhausting not to be my true self or show how I'm feeling. Yeah, like that long and have an expectation that that people expect you to not show emotion and to be this kind of like even keeled all the time. I show no emotion. I'm happy to be here, which is not human. It's not human, but especially for us, we're in very humanistic jobs. Yes, yes. But we're still potentially in the, the model of how we should work we may be shamed for showing that emotion. Yeah. So yeah, just let's just talk about it. Well, I was going to say, when you said the shame piece, there's also the like, I know, and I've grappled with this twice this week, um, is like, um, I needed to send a clear and concise email. So I'll just put it like that. And I had some challenges because I was like, I am mindful of the perception that um, we can pretend like it's not there, but it is of like coming off as an angry black woman. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I can't, like, I can't erase that from myself, and I don't want to, because sometimes I'm angry, um, or I'm upset, or I'm pissed off about something, or the way that someone's interacted with me. So I think about that when I write, like, my emotions, like, how do my emotions play out on paper, if they do at all, or on the computer, you know, on a screen or something. So that's been certainly a topic on my mind this week that I've talked with a few people about. And isn't that, think about how unfair that is, that you have to live in a world where you have to constantly filter yourself or, Mm -hmm. I have have one, you constantly have to worry about other people's level of comfort. Mm -hmm. Or their feelings. Yeah. And I, in my personal life, it is not my job. I'm an adult. We're all adults. It's not my job to worry about how comfortable you, you are. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> being a black gay male, I am I have to survive that feeling all the time because people, you know, are throwing homophobic things or throwing racist things. And do I get to, do I have the privilege of saying, I'm really uncomfortable when you say that. Can you please change your language or your tone of voice? No, I don't get to do that. So I don't think it's my place to uh, protect other people's feelings. I think it's the job of the person on the rece- uh, the receiving end to kind of sort through that and understand how you're really feeling. But yeah. guess what? We don't live in that world. And, yeah. Um, I, it's exhausting to always worry worry about other people's feelings. Yeah. Um, this is a so, slightly random side note. I was at, um, I went to lunch today with a colleague. Um, as you talked about kind of like your presentation of self as a uh, gay black male. Um, so I have virtually no hair, which I love. It, Totally fits I know, me we now. basically... Actually, my hair's a little longer than yours. Yeah, I was like, why yours. are your hair so long? I'm going to braid your hair. Um, but I went to lunch, and it sometimes baffles me, like, how I get called sir. 
Like, so today I was coming out, like, in the restroom at the, the place that I was at, I was coming out of the restroom and I had two older um, people, older women coming to the restroom and they kind of paused, like, oh, this is the men's. And I was like, no, it's the women's restroom. You can, like, go on in. Um, but then I had somebody, um, the person who was taking my order, um, ooh, and I had to show such restraint in the moment, um, was, was like, and can I get you anything, sir? And then was like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. But it was a really casual, flippant way of, like, mm -hmm. responding to it. And then she got my order wrong, and then she charged me the wrong thing. And I said, Father, please protect her because I'm going to go ahead and sit down, and then I'm going to speak to the manager because I certainly am not paying for this meal where this person has, you know... And granted, like, perhaps she, like, really thought I was a man. Okay, sure. Um, but just the flippant way in which she responded and then the, the series of things that happened after that. You get my order wrong. You want to charge me extra for something I didn't order. And then I was like, well, it's on the menu here. And she just had a general attitude about it. Yeah. Um, that was certainly a practice in me uh, reining in my emotion of pissed offness <laughs> as an emotion and addressing that in a way that... Um, and the manager came over, the manager was a black female, so I could kind of let let, let my little hair down, if you will. Uh, but even at that point, I'm like, I don't want to be the angry black woman in the restaurant, like, right. addressing and this. But you effed up, B. Like, paid, and then you didn't even seem to have any level of, like, it. Was, you could have kept the sorry-ass sorry that you gave me. Um, and, yeah, it was just, but even managing emotions in, like, social settings, but certainly around work that it's a... It's a stupid right. dance on like broken glass that I have to do. Right. I definitely want, I think there is room for us to talk about, there's just so much I want to say about yeah. managing emotions in a social setting, but I do want to just kind of um, go back to like the workplace and clean that up a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I, I actually recognize the fact that when I write an email, just contrasting your example, I don't really focus too much on... Um, how I come off, it's usually pretty straightforward. I, um, I would say I'm, I'm a much better writer in terms of what I'm trying to communicate versus verbally. But I did get feedback once about um, being careful with my tone. And I was like, yeah. oh, uh, mm -hmm. my tone? What are you talking about? Uh, because I, I'm just very stern and I don't really think about it, mm -hmm. right? But that's also the privilege of me as a male not having to worry about how yeah. I come off. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that. Um, I, I go back and forth when people, and when I, uh, right now when I say show emotion, um, I haven't really dealt, I've dealt with angry, I've dealt with crying, oh, lots of crying, and I kind of want to talk about the crying part. Okay. Um, it's very atypical for me, and I, I don't mean to just stick to the dyads, and I know you called mm -hmm. me out on this in yeah. the past about but, men but versus women we'll, we'll just in the in-between. Give the preface, just the preface and then we can dive deep. Is uh, I've definitely been in um, a few work settings where um, women cry in the, the workplace um, for whatever reason. Um, I think they, they understand and they check themselves and they remove themselves from the situation. Um, it's very common in my type of work to be overwhelmed with that kind of emotion because we're dealing with students, uh, people, human beings who, who's, who's going through shit. Um, or we're just dealing with a very strenuous work environment where personalities are clashing and you just have to let it out. And I get it. And 
I would like to say that I'm a good supervisor because I'm, I don't believe in the traditional models of not showing emotion at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone does it in their best power to like hold it in, but what, guess what happens when you hold it in? The moment yeah. that you decide to show it at work, mm-hmm. it's going to be an exaggerated version yeah. of how you normally feel about a situation. So I, I do some coping with employees, but I, as a supervisor... Coping or coaching? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I was like, you tell I, them, cope with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I console. That's what the word okay. I assume. But I have to watch out for myself as a supervisor because I don't want to create inappropriate relationships with employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to draw the line somewhere mm-hmm. in terms of like, am I your friend or your supervisor? Um, to protect myself. But I also can't... It, it's hard for me to just draw that line because at the end of the day, we are humans. Yeah. And... For, for me, to, as your supervisor, I know you're successful when you feel comfortable and you feel supported and all of that. So it, it's a struggle as a supervisor to um, monitor those emotions. But I would I know that not everyone has a supervisor like that. And I know for some people, it may be the reason why when they make a decision, they're not trusted because they're too mm-hmm. emotional. Or okay. when they speak out, they're just considered a bitch, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, uh, uh, first of all, I think it's interesting that you refer to women because I'm thinking in my experience, I've seen as many men or male identified folks cry as women or female identified and folks. And I haven't. Cry. And so that's, that's yeah. why I don't want, I'm not yeah. quick to make any kind of judgment. I mean, I've cried at work. I'll speak for myself too. Yeah. Um, and. And as we talk about the types of supervisor, I mean, of course, I think I'm a bomb ass supervisor. I'm sure plenty of people will disagree. Yeah. Not listening to them. Um, but I think, um, uh, cause I too, so, so I know sometimes I, I may teeter the line in terms of like, maybe not folks that I directly supervise in the moment, uh, but certainly colleagues that perhaps, um, this is going to sound a slightly bit pretentious, but like perhaps look up to me or like see something in my style as a leader or as someone who's in a higher level position that, that brings people to my office to kind of open up and spill or talk through things. Or sometimes it's just the, I need to know that I'm not the only person that has experienced this thing either with this person or this type of situation so um I tend to get people who open up in my office a lot which I value and sometimes that ends in tears or Mm. tears are a part of that or like emotion or like people like they hold back and you can see their eyes like all glossy and I'm like let me close the blinds and then I was like here's the Kleenex and then it's like (laughs) um but there's like even as simple as blinds there's the safety of like other people out there not knowing that you are crying about something Mm -hmm. that matters um and I certainly have cried at work um I uh for whatever reason I try not to do that publicly in a group and I don't know that I have um but there's something there's still a level of shame like I certainly I've cried at work I've cried with probably every supervisor that I've had um I will close the door and be like I need to have a moment um or else I'm gonna go off on somebody if I if you if there's not space for me to talk um but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting experience when folks feel like they can come to you with that. And I really, I try to honor and really respect the people who can tap into that emotion. Because I'm like, we are not robots. Like, you have emotions. I know that you do. Because if we were in the same meeting and that person said what they said to you and they said it to me, oh, I would be highly pissed. Um, and sometimes when I'm angry, like, tears come not often usually when I'm angry I'm starting to sweat and I'm like I'm really holding my tongue on something um but sometimes like people say shit that hurts your feelings 
like everybody has feelings. Some some people are able to mask and make that look a certain way, but we all have feelings. Um, we all are vulnerable in spots, you know. But yeah, I think a good way to kind of spin it is when in hindsight when I think about the people who were brave enough to show me that vulnerability. Yeah, is it? It's kind of an honor, if you will, as a mm-hmm. supervisor, that Absolutely. this person feels that comfortable enough to show you their vulnerable side. And mm-hmm. I would say the one place where vulnerability is rarely encouraged is the workplace. Yeah. Because I know that from a... Well, for everyone, you have to show that you're strong and that you're able... You, can, you can't make strong decisions or clear decisions if you have emotion that's in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes from that well, patriarchal see, view. You can, of, though. Like... I think the quote-unquote society tells us that when you're emotional, you can't make a sound decision because your mind's everywhere and you can't keep it together. That doesn't mean that you're going to be like that for the long haul. Oh, right. You know what I mean? So I think that people do, like people who show emotion or cry or may like, like cinch up a little bit and like, and can't talk, get a bad rap for not being able to manage that stuff. And I'm like, some of the best leaders that I know, like they fucking cry because they're humans. They're not mm-hmm. robots. But... We have to also understand when you say society, it's who set these standards or set these models. It goes back to what you originally said. It's mm-hmm. white men mm-hmm. who have been at the the forefront of the workforce at, at the beginning of you know America's birth. It was men, yeah. and so when um, America started to become more industrialized and we started having more of a corporate office setting, those were the ones in the office. And you know when you think about. Uh, the men's layer, the boys' club, it, masculinity is all about showing, not showing emotion. Shade to Trump, but anywho, <laughs> the boys' Girl. club. <laughs> but yeah, if you think about masculinity and what that means, men, uh, men's ego and is completely hurt when they show emotion. Mm-hmm. So now, fast forward, when women have the um, the right to work and have you know start having equal rights, they have mm. to absorb. Adjacent well, not equal rights. Adjacent <laughs> rights, right. They have, to, they have to just really, oh, this was the culture that was built. This is what it means to work in a workplace. Yeah. And they just have to settle with what was established before they arrived. And now we're, you know, in 2016 and we're still dealing with a lot of these um, injustices in the workplace based off of uh, perception and mm-hmm. based off of who's supervising you and who you're the employee of. And, yeah. Well, when you say that, I think about, like, when I, whenever I have a job search and I tell people who come to me, they're like, I want to look for a job. Blah, 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 and I'm, it's so crucial to think about who you report to and who is going to be your supervisor. Clearly, they're not going to be your supervisor forever. But to me, that's something I look about look at when I, when I take a job, when I'm interviewing for a job. Like, who is the, where's the reporting line? Um, and, and I've reported to both men and women. Um, and I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode or, or maybe perhaps in casual conversation, like it's so important to, to think about who you are reporting to and what does that conversation during the interview process look like with that person? Mm-hmm. Like, do they expose you to that person? <clears throat> but that's a whole nother, like that's a different conversation for a different day. But as I think about who I report to, like I got to feel comfortable enough to show myself like if I showed all of myself in every meeting, then that would probably be a lot for people to handle. And I get that. Um, but like, I need to be able to go in my boss's office, close the door and whisper like a whole level of profanity, uh, a loud whisper with the noise machine on 
and be okay with it. Know that my supervisor is going to do that. You can't have that with every supervisor. Yeah. And part of it is building that relationship yeah. and earning their yeah. trust. Yeah. Because um, sometimes they have the potential. You just may not see it yeah. right away. So sometimes it takes that first crack for you to be like, how are they going to show up for me mm-hmm. as, a, as an employee? Um, hopefully you show... you you hope that they show up well mm-hmm. and they show up for you and can be with you in that moment. And they're not like, just like, mm, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Not helpful. In general, as a supervisor, regardless of gender or gender expression, I don't, I don't judge people for crying or showing anger. I do, I, but I do judge. And then that turns into coaching and future advice, um, how they choose to deliver it or how they choose to, um, let it impact, like, consistently impact their work. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their moments, but I still expect you to do a good job. Yeah. Um, like, recover. And then let's have a conversation about what bothered you, mm-hmm. how can we make next steps or, like, an action plan to solve this conflict between two people, or maybe it's about a specific um, responsibility and frustration with your own professional development, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about, have you ever been in a room where um, in, um, someone you interviewed started crying? Um, no, I haven't. No, that's never, I've never been in a room with that. I have, several times. Um, and in, in general, sometimes when someone shows me sadness on the spot, I, I, I'm in touch with my emotions, but it is awkward because when I walk through that door, I turn on a switch. Yeah. I know I'm not a robot, but I still turn on that yeah. switch where I'm just like, okay, everything's fine. We're all doing our work and we're just going to focus on productivity. And then as soon as someone shows me emotion, I get a little awkward. And honestly, I think my best uh, response is just listening. Mm-hmm. I don't try uh, When I'm with a friend, I give more words, but listening. Mm-hmm. And I just pose questions. Right? So how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? How are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. But when someone cries in an interview, my switch is like on the, you know, 100%. And so mm-hmm. I never expect like any emotion in an yeah. interview because it's, you're trying to show your best self, like yeah. you're spitfiring questions, you're expecting really good answers. And I've been in a room and I, I, I'm just like looking at other people, I'm tapping my pen, like I'm just like, when are they going to stop crying? Yeah. I can hear how that could be uncomfortable because you're like, well, are we, I don't know that we asked an emotional question or a, a question that might naturally lead someone to have an emotional response. Um, so I'm not even sure how I would react with that. Um, cause I could, I could, I could understand that it might be a challenge to rebound as an interviewer to rebound from like, okay, well, what do I ask next? How long do I give this person? Cause it's going to be silence. Mm-hmm. Um, until I feel like that person is ready to continue on in the question. I mean, I, I, I want to give context, too, because I know that every industry, crying in an interview would make sense, but mm-hmm. when you're working in an environment where it's your job to, like, basically save people's lives um, mm-hmm. from, like, a counseling perspective, mm-hmm. and you're asked to give an example, I mean, yes, some of these folks um, who have cried have talked about examples of where they really put their whole self forward mm-hmm. to prevent someone from killing themselves, or... Um, so it Maybe. sounds like there's a meaningfulness it, to there. There's their, a meaningfulness, you know? yeah. but okay. even though, and this is just my personality, I'm like, girl, that's great. That happened <laughs> in the past. Why are you crying in front of me right now? And honestly, I dock them points for it. I'm, I'm not afraid to mention it. It does, it does not um, 
make me feel better for them. Okay. Um, so I, it does, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make yourself look good. Um, and I'm not in that line of work anymore, but yeah, yeah. I could see how that might turn, make you go like, "Mm, I'm wondering how this would work in this particular environment. So I think some of it might, as I think about this, and again, I haven't interviewed anybody who's cried in the room. Um, but thinking about like, how does this impact how would this potentially impact work? Are they going to be able... So I think it would bring a lot of questions. Um, like, how how are they going to hold up during a difficult situation? Mm-hmm. Um, how are other people going to respond to our team, our department, our division, um, th- to this person who has displayed emotion um, just in general conversation? Um so I think it would give me pause and certainly something like I would take note of because it's an interview. You're observing like the whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could see that coming up as a, a part of the like the decision making process. Uh, that, and I would think about that. That doesn't mean I'm going to say yay or nay to that person. But it's certainly going to be I'm not going to forget that as I'm considering all the candidates when I look at them on paper. Um, but I could see where that could be a make or break. Like um, I'm thinking about like in the, in the role that I have now, like, I don't know that crying is going to work when I am dealing with like high stakes situations with people who like my role has the ability to have long-term effects and be really impactful on the, the future of, a, of, a, of that person that I'm meeting with. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know that that would actually work. I, I, I may have to like put it in a jar if I had some emotions or like real feelings about it um until after and kind of break that down probably with my supervisor yeah but yeah in an interview yeah that's interesting yeah and i don't i don't know if that's common or uncommon but it's strange that i've encountered it at least three times yeah um i i do want to touch upon briefly about because it's so important about showing emotion just in social situations and i'm honestly so tired of worrying about being the angry black person um Mm -hmm. Did you watch um, the most recent episode of uh, Insecure? Duh. Yeah. And there was that scene where Issa was arguing with her boyfriend. Uh, wait a minute, at the end? Or in the grocery it, store? It was in the middle. It was like, or we the are Rite not Aid. about to be the black couple <laughs> arguing in Rite Aid. <laughs> in Rite right. Aid. And it, it, yeah, and we make fun of it a lot in the black community. There's memes. There's world star hip hop. There's just a bunch of stuff where like the mama is just like yelling at their kid in the store. And or these are real, true, lived experiences. Right. <laughs> but like other people have definitely gone through those experiences. But there's something about when black people do it. It there's more yeah. of a negative connotation, yeah. and I, I don't like being that person where I'm always viewed as the you know the angry person like. The Paul, why don't you smile more? Yeah. Oh, why aren't you softer? Yeah, that that was some bullshit. Somebody tried to call it as feedback, and I was like, "Is there anything else?" The whole situation went another di- direction after that. But yeah, hmm. um, I don't want to have to think about that. Um, but it's a reality. Like I, I want to unlearn it, and I want to stop thinking about that. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it, it hinders like my ability to be a whole person. Like, I get pissed off sometimes. Shit. Yeah, it's like when I'm walking down the street, why would I just be walking down the street smiling the whole time? Like, You can be tap dancing too? People don't do that. And you would never ask, uh, um, I don't know if, you know, other uh, races get these same kind of comments, but I know from the black experience, you wouldn't ask a white person, like, smile more. No. No, you're asking me to smile more because 
you view, you get this subconscious or conscious view yeah. of me being aggressive. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, and no, that's not the case. You just associate blackness with anger and yeah. rage, and that's not, no. And this is aside from the people who have RBF, resting bitch face. Oh, right. <laughs> Just everything. Right. So those folks aside. <laughs> that's, that's aside. That's a different condition. Right. <laughs> a, maybe a future episode of conversation, exclusive of those people who have. Just general RBF. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to have to think about that. But then I'm like, if you don't get the, get out of my face with this ask me. I don't know you, so don't. I need your father. I need your that. Shut up. So you're going to make me be angry because I was fine before, but now you're <laughs> Right, now you're really going to see what angry is. Right? So, um, and I think that sometimes seeps into the professional world is, uh, like you mentioned, you might get advice or feedback yeah. that has nothing to yeah. do. <laughs> Oh. With a job. Yeah. And you I only get it because of false perception. Yeah. You should be softer. And I was like, this also came from a person who, she'll remain anonymous, but was like, my parents had the first Negro hotel. And I was like, if you don't get the fuck out of my face. I was like, why does that matter? Can you sign this payroll, please? Thank you. Uh, real real life situation. Yeah. So, um, but, so interesting. I mean, I think our conversation was really just observing a lot of things um i didn't really get any i, I mean take home points if you will from this um, conversation no i just think i think emotions are good and healthy in the workplace um sometimes you have to figure out how you want to show up emotionally like how you want your emotions to play out but i mean unfortunately they do have an impact on your interactions with folks but you i think if you show up authentically and you find ways to manage that so that it doesn't like outwardly impact other people and the work that they do or your interactions with them. I think emotions are healthy and necessary in the workplace. Yeah, I think my take home or piece of advice from this conversation is uh, I, I would put the onus on the manager or the supervisor, or the, the outside group looking in because you're really the, in, the person who's in control and it's all about how you react and follow up to that situation and I think for the people who are experiencing the emotion, feel it. And of course, yeah. there's a professional way to approach everything, right? Um, there's a reason why you're feeling a certain way. So mm -hmm. make sure you turn it into a constructive outcome and a, a constructive uh, uh, steps to follow um, as a result of that emotion. But I, I really would empower supervisors to really think about how they perceive people that show emotion um, at the workplace and why they're doing it. Now, if it's because, I mean, sometimes it may be because of a personal issue, yeah, right? Yeah, life happens. And guess what? Like, yeah, that person may, should, should take a sick day, but guess what? That's the, you can't just expect someone to ignore the fact that someone mm -hmm. died in their family and not feel a yeah. way about it or let it affect their work a little yeah. bit. So I think it's a job as a supervisor to, do some coaching, make sure the, supervi the supervisee has the right uh, resources and um, not let it be, not to hold it against them. Yeah. Um, but and I, and I'm trying to think of like, in, from a, like if I'm a supervisee, like if I'm an employee, you know, <coughs> sometimes emotions are messy. Sometimes it's going to be a little messy at work. Um, I think if you have concerns about like, oh, is this impacting? Ask your supervisor. Like, I know I got a little bit emotional and like, Take that step out there and be a little bit vulnerable and say, you know, I don't know how that can, can you, can we talk this through? Like, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to like be a babbling mess in a meeting or in this one-on-one, -on -one, but like, 
take that step out there. Supervisors will talk to you about those kind of things. If you're worried, like, how was this perceived or how can I, like, what would you suggest for next time if I'm not able to pull it together? Because sometimes literally people don't know what to do with their own emotions or how to respond to them. So like, when in doubt, ask. It's gonna be, it could be awkward and uncomfortable, but go ahead and ask. I think that's okay. Yeah, it's a really good point. Okay, uh, I think it's time to take a break. All right. So this is a chance for you to email us and ask us any questions that you may have related to work, to life, etc. Um, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. That's H-E-A-D-B-O-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And we will get to your question um, soon. So um, this week we had a listener uh, write in a question um, it's pretty general, but I think we can both have some response. Um, so the question is, how did you embrace your own leadership style? Um, and I'll, I'll give the precursor. How, did you, how do you feel like you developed your leadership style? And how did you begin to embrace that style? <sighs> wow, okay. That's a kind of a difficult question. I mean... I need to put the disclaimer that I'm still, of course, in the middle of yeah, developing my leadership like, style. And I've been doing this for a while. And so. I think no matter how far into my career I am in, um, yeah. So I think what I started with is I'm a person of positivity, and I started from my strengths. I think a good leader maximizes what they're good at, and then they focus on crafting that. Uh, I think what just different... Every leader has, like, their shtick, so I kind of think of it as a brand, right? And um, I try to make that be the legacy that I kind of leave when it comes to working with my employees. And when I think about my strength, strengths, um, a couple that I think um, people constantly give me good feedback on is um, my kind of my ability to speak and voice my opinions and um, express myself at the table, so... I hope those of you who are listening, I am doing a good job at this podcast. But when I'm in a room um, and just explaining myself, I think people really, I've gotten feed, feedback that, oh, Paul, um, actually, this is a piece of feedback that you gave me when oh, you first met me. Okay. And you appreciated how dip diplomatic I was mm. uh, in my expression of myself, uh, in comparing the pros and cons of things many different examples and you were the second person in my life to actually use that word and when you said it on like day two of meeting me after I was hired um that that really sunk in and I've you know maximized on that strength um another one too this is more internal is my ability of first impressions and reading people okay I don't need someone to say a lot for me to understand who they are and what they value a lot of it comes from um, for our very first conversation, facial expressions, verbal expressions, mm -hmm. and I would say 90% of the time, how you end up maybe a year later is what I perceived right from the beginning. And okay. my first impressions, what I do with that as a leader is that gives me direction on 
how to start your goal setting and how to make sure that you're on the right path for how you want to develop as an employee. So I think that's really good. I think I have a, not every supervisor has a good humanistic, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think I'm really good at developing others. I think that's what my strong leadership skill is. Okay. And um, there are many other things that make a great leader. We're, yeah. all, we're, we're well-rounded creatures, but um, I start there and then, then I figure out what their gaps are. And um, I start uh, looking to my supervisor, my, um, my colleagues, my mentors, um, because they have traits that I don't have, mm-hmm. and I, I, I long for them. And so sometimes it's a matter of having those uh, weekly conversations with them or um, attending conferences or things like that. But um, I never forget what my core strength is, and I continue to, to use it and not lose it. Okay. Cool. I like it. Um, I can't even remember that I gave you that piece of feedback, but I'm glad that it stuck. Um, like, in terms of style, I, too, like, I've been doing this work for a decade plus, as I thought about it the other day. Um, and I don't know that I have a set leadership style, but I'll kind of start from the things that I feel like I'm good at or that people have said that they appreciated about my leadership style. Um, I think some people have appreciated this, like, after the fact. Um, I am a leader that is... How does somebody describe me? That I am supportive and demanding. Like, I demand a lot from my staff. Not necessarily, like, in terms of, like, quantity, but, like, that you show up. Like, physically, mentally, you're there, and you're doing your best to do good work, um, and you are um, helping to move us forward. So I am demanding and supportive. Um, I think... um, one thing that's really worked, um, I'd say 98% of the time, is I use humor to get to know the folks that I'm working with. So I know the work that we do is serious, um, but we don't have to take every situation as seriously. So um, behind closed doors, I certainly have lots of good conversations and laughs with people when um, referring to a situation or a set of like not-so-bright things someone has done to, brought, to bring them to my office, like an outside person to my office. Um, so I know I use humor a lot. Um, I've maybe once or twice used it inappropriately. Well, shame <laughs> on me. Uh, but for the most part, I say that by and large, I, I use humor to get to know people and that it helps people connect to me because I see that I can make light of the work, even in the most serious of situations. Um, and I'd say the other thing in terms of my leadership style, I uh, give feedback pretty consistently. Pretty because I give feedback all the time. Um, I don't want the employees to be surprised when we have to sit and write a formal evaluation and work on that together because um, I feel like that's a collaborative process. Um, but I am, I'm not waiting to give people feedback like a week until we have a, a formal meeting. If I'm like, hey, can we touch base on something uh, you know that I noticed or that came across my desk or that I, I got feedback from that I need to share with you so that you don't continue to do like poorly at something or messing something up when there's an expectation of doing something different. Um, I have, I think initially folks are challenged with that. Um, and it's, this is feedback in the, the constructive way, but also the part, like if you're doing something well, I'm like, I'm so glad that you like, that you showed up for this, that you're here. You know, I'm proud of you for doing this type of work and like really stretching yourself. Um, so I try to like constantly give folks things to work on, but also recognize the things that they're doing well. Like I really appreciated that you did X, Y, and Z. Um, that was really helpful. Um, or I got feedback that you did a presentation and the folks in the, in the room seemed to really respond. So 
Um, for me, those are things that have been um, helpful in terms of my leadership style. I think it's ever evolving, and as I as I supervise more or new people, um, then that's going to learn, and I, I I don't completely become like camouflaged in who they are and like everything that they need, but I try to meet in the middle and talk about my style at the beginning, so they're not. They can't actively be surprised when I say I'm demanding, <laughs> yet supportive. I'm like, I told you that day one, I'd like to leave with expectations so that you're not lost. Of like, what are you, what do you want me to do? I, I didn't know what to, and I'm like, yeah, that's like day one, like maybe hour three after you're done with HR. <laughs> I'm like, I need to make sure that you read this expectations document and then we'll just have a conversation about it so that we can be as clear as possible. Mm-hmm. So that seems to surprise people, but I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation like, two months down the road when you don't know what I expected from you or that, you know, there's a confusion of that. Yeah, we'll work through it and some of it will be, you know, we have to revisit, but you're going to have that from jump. Right, right. So. Yeah, I, I can definitely second your ability to navigate things through humor um, <laughs> and build relationships that way. Yeah. You make me laugh all the time. Oh, thanks. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, again, if you have questions, email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and we'll get to those. So thanks for the last uh, person that submitted. I hope you got something helpful out of that. segment my favorite one which is boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week um so i think it's your turn to start yeah so i have a bitch ass boss um and this is not a specific person but people who do this um get on my nerves um so people who think they're gonna try to tell on you to your supervisor you ever had somebody who's like they don't necessarily threaten it, but they're like, hmm, I think I may, I may check in with your supervisor. I'm like, bitch, go ahead and do it. She already know what I was going to say before I came here because I told her. So um, I had somebody this week try to, she can say she was trying to come for me in a meeting. Um, and I was heated about it. Like, I sweat through my shirt about it because I was warm as shit. Um, but she made it seem like she was going to try to tell on me to my supervisor and I want to be like, her number is and her email is. This is when the next time she's available, bitch. <laughs> the nose. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> try me. Try me. Right? Yeah. And I was like, bitch, she already knows. I have a history of letting my supervisors know if I have pissed somebody off about what and what I said. So I don't like my supervisors to be surprised. So if I'm like, this is the person that I pissed off today so they may come to your office and this is what I said. This is exactly what I said and how I said it. Um, sometimes I, you know, I have to do some like apology on the end or fix it later. But I was like, sometimes I'm, I'm warm and heated in the moment. And so sometimes I may like jaw back and forth with you, but I'm going to tell my supervisor because you ain't going to tell on me. Mm-hmm. She going to know already. And she going to know my plan of if I need to fix something, then I'll, I'll be like, and this is how I'm going to fix it. And this is when I'm going to fix it. So I, I may not be ready to fix it that day. Um, but yeah, this bitch was like, mm-hmm. she was making it okay. seem like she was going to tell on me. And I was like, bitch, first of all, I'm grown. So, you can't tell on me. Um, and second of all, I don't give a fuck. But, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Right? <laughs> right? I don't give a fuck. Um, 
The people who are like, oh, I think I'm just checking with your manager. Well, check in with her, bitch. Like, she already know why I'm here. So, I'm not scared. Like, what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? I ain't sorry. Right? I, and I'm not. Middle sometimes fingers I am. up. Sometimes wow. I am. Sometimes I have to be sorry. And I get that. <laughs> but sometimes you need to see me in my pissed offness. And I need to read your punk ass out loud, which I rarely do. But don't try to threaten me with you going to tell my boss. Or you going to, you know, I'm going to go above your head. Bitch, go ahead. Go above my head. Do what you have to do, okay? That reminds me of those times Ugh. where, like, when if you work in a customer service job and, like, you're like, can I speak to your manager? And, I, I mean, I've been in customer-oriented jobs, and this is why it's important to be like this. You can't see me, but I'm crossing my fingers right now. <laughs> oh, like, they can't see you. Um, be like this with your supervisor because oftentimes they'll say, well, my supervisor's going to say the same thing, but here's their phone number, their email. And let me know. (laughs) But yeah, I I totally feel you. That's really annoying. Well, I have a bitch-ass boss and a boss-ass bitch. I'll do the negative first and end with the happy. Um, So my bitch-ass boss is... Well, really, this is like a situation. And I don't know if it's really... (laughs) If other people are being the bitch or if I'm just being the bitch. I don't know. We'll see. I can appreciate that. I'm a good listener when it comes to meetings. And I'm good at feeling the temperature. And... Obviously, when you're in meetings, we were way past the raising your hand. Yeah, I was right? like, don't do that. But I'm so tired of people who just don't let other people talk. Like, I'm sitting back, I write down my notes of what I'm going to say, and as soon as I breathe, I, I sense the pause, I wait for the pause. And mm-hmm. as soon as I breathe, someone gets into the conversation uh. before I do, and then I wait for the pause, and then another person jumps in, and then another person jumps in, and then the second person talks twice. Yeah. And I never can fucking get a word in. <laughs> you want to do the church finger, like, excuse me, like, right. I need to say a word. I, and I just, like, sometimes I get so frustrated, I just want to, like, flip the table so people understand that I it's my turn to talk. <laughs> right. it's, 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 I have something to say, damn it. <laughs> right. It's one of those moments where, like, cut to that scene where you actually do what you're thinking in right. your head. <laughs> I just want to speak! And then you cut to, what, like, regular life. And right. you're just like, oh, did I... Want I want to make a quick comment. <laughs> yeah. Your voice is all gentle. Just a quick, if I, I may have a moment. I love when comedy scenes do that. But yeah, it's just like, girl, just, just pick up on social cues. If yeah. you notice someone is dying to talk and they haven't spoke, uh, it's just annoying. And yeah. I just not being heard because I do such a good job at not being the person that takes up the airtime and that sometimes becomes my disadvantage because I never get a word in yeah because all these people are too busy talking mm-hmm. and then at the then you go in circles and then someone makes a point that was made already yeah. and like girl and to piggyback uh, don't piggyback <laughs> off shit that. you're Snap just you just want to be heard like shit you just want to be heard even yeah. though you're just saying the same thing yes. that the person said before oh God, you I hate when people do that oh girl bye anyways and my boss ass bitch goes to um, if you're following us on social media, which if you weren't, you should because we right. do cool shit in San Francisco. Truth, uh, Lovey, the awesomely Lovey, came to San Francisco for as part of her book signing tour. Um, she was part of it was like a talk, getting to know her, and the, uh, the but the main part was showcasing her new book. I'm judging you. Um, Shimina and I, Shimina and I went and, um, it was at the Twitter headquarters, which was really cool. Yes, it was. Uh, we walked in, they had nice refreshments that were really yeah. black. They were. <laughs> it was chicken and waffles. And I was it like, was chicken and waffles with no syrup. I'm like, did you have this when JK Rowling came? I don't think that you did. Because <laughs> the audience was, if you know Awesomely Lovey, like, 
you're most likely black and you're most likely a woman. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what the clientele was. Um, But yeah, food was good and we sat up right up in the front row and then... Lovey walked by and she, her sh- first of all, her shoe game's on point. <laughs> and I was so glad that she said she's, she has a shoe problem because it was proven by what I observed. Uh, she's gorgeous. Yes. She's so small. So like, ridiculous. I was like, oh, you're little. Not like a little person, but I was like, she's like very petite. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like. But mind you, if you read her book, she does not like when people talk about how small she is oh. or how skinny she is. No, I like, haven't started it she's yet. She's judging you if you talk she, about her I'm weight. I'm sure she is. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we had some great conversations. Like, um, I loved what she talked about. A lot of the examples and advice she gave was in terms of being a blogger or a writer, mm-hmm. but I think you could easily yeah. substitute like podcaster or other, artist. Other creative. You know. Other creative. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think, yeah. Shmina? I loved it. Um, I love going to things like that. Um, and real talks, like if you were in the first 50, they gave you a free book that you could get signed. So I'm here for free. Um, so we both got the book and we both got it signed. Um, and I love following her on social media. Um, she's just really like no chill straight talk mm-hmm. like there's not i can't imagine that there are people in her world that don't know they, where they stand with her yeah um and i think she says a lot of the things that all of us want to say um but for whatever reason don't because we have jobs um and like the benefits that we have uh but she worked part of the thing she works for herself and there's just a real genuineness and um authentic spirit that she brought like this is who i am and if you can't get with that, that's fine. Perhaps we can't work together, but I'm going to show up as myself mm-hmm. um, and just bring it. And I'm saying the things that everybody is probably thinking, um, but I have, I say it. So. And I think I respect her advice even more because she's been in the nine to five work setting. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't work for her. And she was very honest about right? her taking a new job and her literally quitting yeah. the, the day like, of. Like at, she's after like, lunch or something? After lunch, she's like, Girl, this isn't for me. (laughs) And she left, and now look at where she's at. And so if you're a creative out there, um, you know, I'm a creative in more of the traditional sense. I'm still trying to explore my passions and working on all these side projects that I do after 5 p.m. Um, She's just a great person to, first of all, read the book, get the book, um, but just follow her on social media, read her advice. Like, she is paving um, a great pathway for Mm -hmm. black female entrepreneurs um, and she's so supportive of other social groups who are doing their thing and representing yeah she also blogs um the recaps of scandal yes um (laughs) so i have enjoyed very much reading her recaps her like real life like she talks about the actual show but she's like really funny in that so i love her infusion of humor um, into what we see on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she's the official blog uh, recap writer for Insecure. Yes. Which we've talked about yes. before. Um, I need to catch up on that. Not the show, but the blog. Um, so you can catch a couple pictures of the event that we posted on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, just she's the boss, and I learned a lot from her that night. Yeah. We'll put her, um, we'll probably put her handle and whatnot in the comments section on SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, and iTunes. Yeah. And iTunes and anything else that we've referenced, um, tonight, um, we'll make sure. So check the, the comment section or the blurb or the thingy that we put on. I'm not the social media person. Um, or <laughs> like, but Paul makes sure to put, makes sure to put all the information in the comments so that you can easily find anything that we reference. Of course. Of course. So make sure you check that. 
All right, we are out of time. Um, as always, we want to make sure that you uh, follow us on all our social media. So make sure that um, if you have any questions, email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook by looking for Headboss in Charge. Uh, you can look for us on Twitter uh, at our handle, which is at headbosspod, P-O-D. And um, we're also now on, in addition to SoundCloud and iTunes, we're now on Stitcher. So I don't really use Stitcher, but I know a lot of people do. <laughs> so if that's your preferred platform for listening to podcasts and other radio shows, find us on Stitcher just by looking for a head boss in charge. Yeah, so tell your friends, you know you talk about it, and you know you want to, so tell your friends. Tell your mama, get them tell your daddy. Right? Um, so yeah, find us on all those places and hit us up if you got questions or you want to hear us talk about anything. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for this week. Yeah, we did it. All right, y'all take care.